0: As if the McCrispie couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Champion Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side. Geo at the 35. Gio. he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio. He's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good.
0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony up back with you guys as always, and tonight we are talking some recruiting. So that means Zach Hubbard is back with me, and for the first time in a while, we get to talk a Carolina commitment. It is again in the 2021 class. We thought that the 2022 class may produce the next commitment, but. Carolina ends up wrapping up a commitment that they really wanted in this 2021 class in another in-state prospect. So we'll talk about that. We've got a couple of other guys on the 2021 trail that we are going to talk about tonight. And then we'll close by talking just a little bit about some of the guys in that 2022 class. But first, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about Bryson Nesbitt, the commitment that Carolina just landed the other day in the 2021 class. The three-star tight end from Charlotte, North Carolina, comes from South Mech High School, rated as the number 16 tight end. In the country, the number 22 prospect in the state of North Carolina last year, more than 500 yards and five touchdowns as a junior, but that was his first year of playing football. This is a guy that had jumped onto the scene uh, in the offseason of last year, uh, even before he had taken a snap on the field. Everybody was very impressed with his size. One of those guys that was a basketball first guy, made the move to football, People jumped on him really quickly. Carolina was one of the ones that uh, was in the running for him for most of the way. South Carolina was the team that had the advantage because his dad, a guy that a lot of Panther fans around here probably know, Jamar Nesbitt, used to play for South Carolina. But the Tar battled back in this recruitment and now have a tight end commit in this class. And, you know, a while back, Zach, we were talking about, you know, positions that Carolina needed to add somebody in this class. Tar are losing Garrett Walston after this season. And He is going to graduate, and it appears that he is going to move on. So, you know, this is uh, this is a big addition for the Tar Heels. Nesbitt's a little bit raw, but this is a guy that a lot of people feel could eventually become the Tar Heels' best receiving tight end uh, since Eric Ebron, something they've just been lacking since Ebron left campus.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at... Um, the guys that they have on the roster right now, you obviously, you obviously have Garrett Walton, who's been used primarily as a blocker. You have Mario Morales, that's you know got some snaps, but is only a redshirt freshman. And then you've really got. Just two other tight ends and freshmen, John Copenhaver and Kendall Carr. Maybe we see an additional move from, you know, a Jefferson Boas down the line, but of right now, the assumption is that he is still sticking with quarterback for this time. So, you know, it is not a very deep room and it is a very young room, and they're looking for someone to step up there. Um, I mean, when you look at sort of how the targets have been distributed, it's mainly the wide receivers and running backs that are getting the majority of that. And so it would be a great addition. Uh, to add a tight end to this Phil Longo offense, especially one that can be a receiving threat. Um, if you look at the type of guys in this office already that North Carolina likes to use, they like to use the Daz Newsom type, the smaller sort of slot or scat-back receiver that can you know make plays in space. They like guys like De'Ami Brown, that are more down threats, but um, a a guy they really liked a lot. What they've somewhat lacked a little bit this past year is a a big bodied red zone threat, such as your Bo Corrales, and while Nesbitt isn't necessarily the same exact type of player as Corrales, one's a wide receiver, one's a tight end, um, it would really be a great, great option to have a guy like Nesbitt uh, that's going to function not only as a standard blocker, as a tight end, but as a you know, a short yardage or red zone receiving threat. I mean, you look at him from a physical background, uh, listed at 6'6", 235, he's definitely got that length to go up and get the football, Uh, but also you see just the out-and-out athleticism. I think he was initially a basketball player as an Mm -hmm. athlete, so has sort of that background. You see a lot of these tight ends nowadays that have that, you know, that basketball background, have that background of athleticism that allows them to uh, not necessarily have track speed but you know to get down the field and to to make plays in the open field with the football and go up to get the football I think you know from the tight end position like you mentioned that's what they've been lacking and that's sort of what Bryson Nesbitt um, all things going well can offer.
0: Yeah I I think uh, you know the red zone is, is where he's going to thrive the most. I, I'm not 100% sure that this guy is going to be able to turn into an Eric Ebron type of player. Eric Ebron was just a really special player. He's still a guy that, you know, at, at times he, he goes missing in Pittsburgh's offense, but he's still a guy that he's shown even with the Steelers this year. It, you know, he's he can handle being those, those types of receiving tight ends like Travis Kelsey, like, uh, like Greg Kittle, guys that play a huge role in your offense. Carolina hasn't really had that in a while. But, you know, I, I think the the good thing is, is that you don't necessarily need him to be that guy. This is not a move where you're telling him when he comes in, look, we need you to be special. If he turns out to be special, great. But this is a guy that's it, very raw. Um, th- that's one of the big reasons why they're going to want to—they're th- th- going to want to utilize him uh, as much as they can when he gets on campus—is because he is not going to be stuck in his ways like some of these other guys that you know have been playing tight end for their entire pee wee career or whatever up until they got into high school. This is a guy that is going to, at the most, probably play two years of high school football. I think he probably should play at South Mech this year. Now that's a team that um, you know is is kind of. Up and down in the Charlotte area. I mean, these past couple of years, they haven't been great. But you, many will remember that's where Jake Waller came from. When Jake Waller was on that team, they were a good football team. They were a team that you know could win seven, six, seven games consistently a year. Um, so I think that there's a lot that goes into his recruitment. I think that it's it's a big land. But the other thing is, is you've got to sort of temper your expectations until he can get on campus and sort of show us exactly what he's going to be at the college level. But I do think that similar to what we saw before the two ACL injuries that ended his career, he could be similar to what Brandon Fritz brought to this offense his first few years in Carolina's offense. So uh, I think that that's uh, the main thing that you've got to look forward to for Nesbitt. Um, you know, you, you look at his size, uh, he's he's got a pretty good frame, so I think that Carolina will be able to put a lot, you know, a decent amount of weight on him, similar to what they did with Garrett Walston, similar to what they'll do probably with some of the other guys. Kendall Carr is probably a guy that will end up putting on the weight. I don't know about Copenhaver. He looks like more of the athletic tight end type uh, similar to uh, Ebron or Evan Ingram who uh, one, uh, at one time played uh, at Ole Miss just before Phil Longo got there. Um, those are the types of rece- of tight ends that I think everybody's wanting, but this offense has clearly worked with the type of tight ends that we've seen over the last couple of years that you know can help you at times when you need a receiving threat but are mainly there to help you in the run game and I think that uh, as long as Nesbitt can come in get some experience because he hasn't done a lot of it when he's been at South Mech he's a guy that they split out wide a lot of the time Um, so it is going to be a challenge for him but if he can get in there learn I think he has the potential uh, to be a really good player you know I think you know when when you look at this class now overall, and that's you know kind of where I want to turn this to uh, here for just a second. You know, Carolina just continues to get the job done in-state. 14 of the 18 commitments that Carolina has in this class are in the state of North Carolina. It's actually 15 if you go ahead and count Kobe Paysour, which most people will do, including us, um, because, I mean, again, he transferred for his senior year, transferred down to Gaffney High School in South Carolina, but that was a move that would not have been made if everything was normal with COVID-19. So, I mean, again, we talked about building a fence around the state of North Carolina. I don't know if we thought that it would be at this level. I mean, it's just remarkable how good of a job this staff has done to land not only talent from in-state, but the top talent in the state.
1: Yeah, and I I think what another thing that I want to mention is if you look at not only the quantity of guys that they've gotten from in state, if you want to look at the quality here, I mean you go down the list of the North Carolina commits, let's look here. Eleven of the fourteen and like you mentioned, fifteen if you wanted to add pace hour, eleven of those fifteen guys are four and five star commits. Our blue chip commits with their There's roughly, um, you know, three hundred to fifty, you know, three hundred fifty in the nation. So right. obviously, not only you see where North Carolina has capitalized on this in state talent, but just the state of North Carolina, which you know people have known for a while that it's a talent producer. But this year in particular is just lights out in terms of the in state guys, and it's it's really phenomenal that North Carolina has been able to capitalize in such a. Uh, you know, historic year for North Carolina talent.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the whole class, you know, the class as a whole, I mean, you look at it, you know, I usually, you know, I know four and five stars are, are where a lot of people go with the blue chip. In my mind, I think in order to be considered a blue chip prospect, I don't think you necessarily have to be a four or five star because I feel like there are some guys that are high end three stars that are legitimate players. We've seen, you know, even when they've come to campus here at Carolina, they've made impacts early on. So I usually like to Look at the top 500 prospects in the country. And when it comes to that, Carolina, out of the 18 commitments that they have, 15 are top 500 prospects. That is pretty much unheard of for a Tar Heel class. Normally, a lot of the tutorial classes that you've seen really outside of last year when, you know, of course they added Tony Grimes' commitment in late, so they went from 19th to 13th. But really a lot of the other classes were just huge classes where Carolina brought in 25, you know, 27 guys even at times. Uh, and that's how their ranking got as high as it did. This is different. These are, you know, it's it's not going to be a huge class, in terms of some of the other ones that you're going to see throughout Mac Brown's time on campus, but it has so much talent spread throughout it that it's going to rank as one of the best in program history, if not the best in the modern, modern recruiting era in program history. So, um, you know, I, I think Carolina is is. You know, somewhat close to being done with this class. Uh, I think they've got, you know, they've addressed a lot of needs. Their offensive line is an area that needed to get addressed in this class. You got Eli Sutton, you got uh, Diego Pound. So there's there's a lot of uh, confidence around that group going forward. Um, On the defensive line, that was another area that, again, you still had to address. I know that they've been bringing in a lot of talent here over the last few years, but. Keyshawn Silver, guy that now is a, a composite five-star. Uh, you got uh, Javari Ritzy, uh, another big in-state prospect that Carolina was hoping they would be able to land in this class. Uh, Travion Stevenson uh, at weak side defensive end, another pass rusher. So that's going to help you there. Those are the areas where Carolina really needed to get better. Needed some depth at tight end. They got that. Um, you know, Again, needed some a little bit of depth potentially at running back because now a scenario that before the season – we were toying around with just a little bit. It's starting to look a little more realistic in um, Javante Williams and Michael Carter potentially both leaving. You end up getting a guy there, and potentially Caleb Hood could end up moving there um, behind Camaro Edmonds. So uh, Carolina did a really good job in this class, but there are a couple of guys that are still maybe you know on the radar for Carolina. But overall, I, I think uh, you know just addressing this class where they're at right now. Now just 13 days away. Away from the start of the early signing period, I think you've got to feel pretty confident with where this class is in terms of, you know, their overall ranking, but mainly in terms of addressing team needs.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and like you mentioned, I mean, you look at those top 500 guys, they get all on there, but let's go more towards the, um, these other guys that you mentioned. First one, I think that we should look at is one that was a former Tar Heel target, um, committed to the University of South Carolina then decommitted after head coach Will Muschamp uh, was let go and that would be um, weak side defensive end or rush linebacker outside linebacker whatever you'd like to call it George Wilson Um, many remember sort of you know was looking like a potential target commit for a long time ended up sort of moving to South Carolina at the final hour and has now reopened his recruitment um, when you look at it he did announce the top three here recently either mm-hmm. today or yesterday that top three or final three rather uh, is auburn florida state and north carolina um, has announced a commitment date of and signing date of december 18th that's during the early signing period and at the onset the main sort of leader that we're hearing all the crystal balls are going towards auburn Obviously, you know, well known SEC power, so that carries some prestige there. And it seems like they're somewhat pushing now from the Auburn side of things. They do feel good. Uh, They also do feel that they um, most likely will still have to show some things in the next couple weeks. Auburn, obviously, not having a spectacular season as compared to some of their SEC brethren. But, you know, that's where sort of the buzz is right now. Florida State also in there. Florida State's not exactly a great situation either. Um, so North Carolina is kind of this odd man out, at least at the onset. Obviously, they have the buzz going into his first commitment. But um, with the commitment of Trevion Stevenson uh, that we saw enter the class and sort of take that uh, second Russian spot along, potentially alongside Gabe Stevens, um, it, it's really unknown in terms of how much North Carolina is pushing. Um, but it is my opinion that if they were to push, there would certainly be a lot of interest Um, at the very least on both parties uh, with UNC and with Wilson and potentially having him come back into the fold the second
0: time around. One of the big obstacles that I think has got to be talked about when you talk about George Wilson, talk about Victor Victor Ibaka, who we'll talk about here in just a second, is you got to start to wonder how much room this roster actually has. Because as we found out yesterday, three Tar Heel scholarship players are coming back next year that are seniors this year they're gonna use the you know of course before the season the NCAA laid out the ruling that no matter how much time you played this season you would have the option to come back because of the circumstances around COVID-19 and three Tar Heels are expected to take advantage of that as of right now Bo Corrales at wide receiver Grayson Atkins at kicker but the big one here and one that I think makes this a really interesting conversation around George Wilson is that Tyrone Hopper is expected to come back next year. Now, I wonder if they were feeling a little more confident about George Wilson wanting to add him to the roster. Would they have told Tyrone, look, we understand that you want to come back, but at the same time, we've got some young kids that are trying to join the group here at outside linebacker, we're going to have to make room for them. Um, That's the big concern when you talk about the rest of the guys that Carolina is potentially trying to target and I think might be a concern in some people's minds about the class as a whole. Now, I don't think that needs to be a concern for the class as a whole there are going to be some guys that are going to end up transferring one that we already know is going to end up transferring that's under scholarship is Jace Reuter Um, it has been known that he is going to be a part of the senior day uh, festivities on Saturday against Western Carolina he's a guy that's already uh, on track to graduate so congratulations to Jace he's going to probably end up uh, transferring somewhere back towards the Midwest where he is from of course Carolina went out To Kansas and grab Jace uh, back in the 2018 class, but um, you know there's there's a couple other guys that are going to pop up as well. I know Noah Ruggles is another guy. He's going to end up graduating. He looks as if he's going to move on. So Carolina, there's going to be some spots that are going to open up. So for the main part of the class, the 18 guys that are already committed, I'm confident that Carolina is going to be able to sign all those guys comfortably and still feel pretty good about where their scholarship limits uh, numbers are at um, now if you add in some of these other guys that's when the concern starts to show up uh, for George Wilson this is it's an interesting scenario because as you mentioned he's got the history with Carolina um, it was really really high on them most people were of the belief that if Carolina you know had been able to get him on campus consistently if this was a normal offseason he probably would have been a He'll commit because he was that infatuated uh, with, you know, just the overall vibe around the 2021 class that Carolina is putting together. But he wasn't able to get on campus. Um, You know, again, Bryson Nesbitt was a guy that wasn't able to, or that had been on campus before, but wasn't able to get on campus here recently. He decided to take a self tour, walk himself around. Um, You know, that's an option that recruits are allowed to use especially at Carolina. Carolina is a public campus so um, you never know maybe George Wilson ends up taking his own visit there you know gets a look at you know at the outside of the facilities again it's not the same thing as when you go on campus visit with the staff that's not allowed right now but at the same time you can still walk around get a feel for it so it'll be interesting to see if that's something that pops up over the next couple of weeks because it's 15 days till his decision date he said it today Uh, it is going to be December 18th so it is. Is in the early signing period but is the last day of the early signing period so that's that's a little interesting I think that's gonna maybe give him a couple of days um, even during what when, when the open uh, the early signing period ends up opening up to sort of weigh his options so look at the classes that he could be entering figuring out which one is gonna work best for him where he can maybe make the most impact so that's gonna be the biggest thing and as we've seen with him. If Carolina's interested, they got to push the whole way because South Carolina made a push literally the night of his commitment, um, the, the the eve of his commitment, I should say, and ended up getting him to uh, to commit to them, um, you know, a couple of months ago. So Carolina's got to be in it the entire time. But if Carolina was to land him, and there's another factor that I think you know we have to talk about here with this. This would be really big for Carolina in the state of Virginia because you look at the 2022 class and there are a bunch of major targets in the 22 class that are from the state of Virginia. State of North Carolina it's still really good. There's still going to be a lot of guys in the state of North Carolina that the tutorials are going to chase after, but it's going to be nowhere near as good as the 2021 class was. So Carolina has got to make some inroads in the state of Virginia. This could be one way that they could go ahead and start that in the 2021 class.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another prospect that you already somewhat mentioned, uh, Victory Barca, a recent decommit from Texas A&M um, opened up his recruitment um, California kid sort of a more traditional what they'd call like a 2, uh, two gap nose guard or nose tackle mm-hmm. um, similar that we've seen this year to say a Jalil Taylor or uh, the year before maybe even an Aaron Crawford not saying that I think those guys were at the level that Aaron Crawford was but that's sort of your play style that's sort of your body type that you're looking at Reopened that uh, commitment with Texas a and there are a few schools already in contact. Uh, Penn State and Maryland offered uh, the same day that he committed, so obviously there are two names in there. But seeing you know some some uh, some buzz from Auburn, seeing some buzz from Tennessee, some Florida, but then from North Carolina, mm-hmm. and it's really been led by uh, the North Carolina commits, from what it looks like. Um, you, you'll see guys, you know, on social media in various places reaching out and sort of expressing their interests. and it, it was a situation in which the staff already had um, at least some communication. There had been, right, you know, some communication about that prior. It's just, you know, with the California kid, it, it, it's somewhat of a difficult recruitment being on the other side of the country, yep. North Carolina typically does not recruit that nationally, um, outside of a few exceptions. So, you know, it wasn't really a recruitment that went that far the first time, but. You know it's here on the table this time and we've discussed multiple times sort of the potential interest at least from our perspective uh, that we feel that north carolina could or should have in adding an additional nose guard and here's one right here available so it, it's going to be really interesting to see sort of how they push over um the next you know the next few weeks and months he is looking to commit on january 6th i believe he announced that today and looking to be a late signee mm-hmm. in the February signing period, so obviously quite a bit of time looking to commit. You know, over the next month, and then we'll take that recruitment probably throughout the next month after that, till he signs in February. But um, just one to watch, definitely I'd say. And um, I, I would like North Carolina to get interested. Just give my personal opinion on it. Um, like we've mentioned, you know, it would be it, – it's position at defensive line where, you know, we've seen additions over the year, but it's a position where you can never add too much. And it's a position yeah. that they're also going to look into in, in 2022, as we've discussed a little bit. So, you know, if there is an availability and he feels like – or if the staff, rather, feels like that he's worth that scholarship, I actually absolutely, absolutely think that uh, this is a cr- recruitment that they should push and, you know, try to get that virtual visit and show him sort of, you know, Here's the reason, here's what Carolina is, and here's what the, uh, the opportunity could mean to you.
0: The reason that it's worth talking about ultimately is because of the time that is left in in his recruitment. Um, I think, you know, we saw, as you mentioned, a lot of the guys that are committed in this class for Carolina already have been the ones pushing for him. And I think that, you know, a lot of these guys are sitting at home, kind of like us, during these game days, and they're seeing the same thing that we're seeing, that, you know, this group, you know, defensively, there's some promise here. There's guys on the back end to be excited about. There's guys at linebacker to be excited about. There's guys on the defensive line to be excited about, but that's the area where Carolina still has some question marks, especially depth-wise, especially size-wise. Victory Vaca would come in, would help you there. Again, this is a guy that's a three-star recruit. Um, you know, another high-end guy though, another high-end three-star guy inside the top 500. Very similar to where Clyde Pinder was ranked a year ago. And you know, again, I, I haven't watched him quite as much. He was a guy that was a little bit under the radar when we talked about Clyde last year. Clyde was a guy that they, we, we knew. Carolina was one of the two finalists for him for a while. It was them in Florida and of course it came down to signing day but you know, Vaca is a guy that definitely has the talent. Like you said, two gap guy that's what Carolina really is looking for in this defense. They need more of those types of guys on the interior of their defense, especially with the type of scheme that they like to run. It's you know pretty much a version of a 2-4-5 is pretty much what it is. Um, You know, you got guys on the outside, sometimes they'll put their hands in the but it's pretty rare. Um, So you need those guys that can sort of fill a lot of space, fill it quickly, fill it effectively, and have the strength to be able to handle themselves against guards and centers inside, which is what Vaca can do. Now, I think, like you mentioned, there is some concern about, okay, he's from the state of California, it's Carolina team that travels out to California to get recruits. It's it's rare. It's I'm going to be honest with you. It is rare. But there's a guy from a couple years ago that Carolina went out to California and they did it rather late in the early signing period and ended up landing him. That was Don Chapman. So of course people have to remember that anything's possible. There are connections that Carolina has. Um, you know they have been in communication with them. This staff look. They know that that's a position that they probably need to at and this class again uh, you know I, I understand that maybe on some some levels people think okay this the staff didn't value this enough in this class or whatever uh, no the staff valued that in this class uh, you know you had an in-state guy in Peyton page who they knew they were gonna be fighting an uphill battle with for the most part he also dropped down some of the recruiting boards a lot of the guys in the recruiting class really didn't get along with him so there were a lot of things that kind of put Carolina behind the eight ball in that recruitment. We know they were pushing hard for Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. They were hoping that potentially Kobe Paysauer transferring there would help them out. Really didn't. He ends up going to Georgia. Tyleek Williams for a while they were pushing for. So Carolina made some... They made an effort to get some of these guys to commit to this class at defensive tackle. It just really wasn't there. Um, But, I I mean, look, if, if there's an opportunity here, if there's room on the roster... I definitely think uh, that Carolina will potentially try to make a push for Vaca, but the main thing that you'll have to keep an eye on with this is he's—you know—he was a guy that before he committed to Texas A&M, he had been around a lot. He had taken other visits, stuff like that. He has not been to Carolina, so if Carolina can get him to visit by himself, then that would be huge. That would mean that Carolina really has a chance here if he doesn't end up visiting, it seems highly unlikely that he's going to commit to Carolina, especially with the fact that he's taking extra time in his recruitment. That'll mean that he'll have the time to go out and visit places if he wants to, so that's the main thing to keep an eye on when it comes to those two guys. Um, you know, Ultimately, I, you know this will be the last thing we'll do with these two guys and then we'll go ahead and move on to the 2022 class, but when you talk about these two guys, Zach, if you're looking forward, do you think ultimately Ultimately, either of these two guys are part of Carolina's 2020 class. Or, 20, yeah, 2021 class. Excuse me.
1: As of right now,
0: I really can't put a solid you know, percentage on either of them joining mm-hmm. for a few reasons. Um, it has been reported um,
1: you know, around the time that George Wilson initially committed to South Carolina that Trevion Stevenson was sort of um, near the staff's internal rankings of where Wilson was, if not above. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. That's just what some have reported. Um, So with that, they've already somewhat filled that requirement, and they already have a good number of guys in here. And as you mentioned, they do get Tyron Conker back. Generally, um, we have not seen this staff recruit guys that have committed elsewhere and decommitted. Um, In those situations, that's not something that they generally do, not saying that they can't. It's just not been the factor that we've seen so far not that we've seen a ton of um decommitments and recommitments in terms of guys that they pursued but that's just not been the case and as we've mentioned uh, auburn does have some significant buzz they're auburn everyone knows sort of the the Mm -hmm. profile of that program so it makes sense you know if he wants to go there and they want it that that would be the commitment it's not out of the blue um regarding vodka like you mentioned Has it been to campus? Is there going to be a great opportunity for him to do so? I don't know, unless he wants to fly from California to North Carolina within the next month during a national pandemic. Um, I I don't really know. You
0: know, I I do know that he is looking to take virtual visits to places, including in North Carolina. Right. That is another option.
1: Yeah, that might be one of the rare situations in which he just doesn't have an opportunity to visit other places, Mm -hmm. even though he has, like you mentioned, in places before and would make a decision as based on that. But it's just a rare, rare situation. And there's really just not as much intel about his recruitment right now. He opened it up and he seems, at least based on social media, very open to really any opportunity. Mm Uh, that can come his way, including North Carolina. So, with Wilson, I feel it seems like it's going to be one of the other two. It seems like Auburn or potentially Florida State, maybe North Carolina pushes. And with Vaca, it's really just that our commits, or North Carolina's commits rather, on social media, have pushed for it. So, as of right now, I'm not predicting either one of the class. I would be happy if either one or both wanted to join, but it's really sort of a situation to watch over the next few weeks, but I wouldn't say that either would be expected
0: this time. Yeah, I agree with you on 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 Vaca for sure. I think that that's uh, kind of one of those pipe dreams that you know the the, the guys in the class already kind of have. Um, and like you said, I mean, you know, going virtual visits that's a, an option, but it, it's still not the same as being on campus. So it'll be interesting uh, to see. But yeah, he is uh, he's very open. It seems like at this point to just about anybody. So uh, that could be one of those ones that even after. Signing day could be very interesting uh, for him to see. You know if he ends up liking where he's going. If not, could be in the transfer portal sooner rather than later. But um, is a name that again keep an eye on it. That's one that you shouldn't really be overly focused on. I'm I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit more confident in where Carolina stands with with Wilson than you are. Um, you know I think that the history that Carolina has with him is big. But I think the other thing that's really important about his commitment. And we're going to talk about the 22 class here in just a second. But there's a guy in the class in Tavon Holloway who goes to the same high school as he does um, over there at Green Run High School in Virginia Beach. And they seem pretty confident that they would like to play with each other somewhere. Um, that they, they think that that could be an option. Carolina seems like the best place for that right now. Both guys have an offer there. Holloway is very, very high on Coach Dre Bly, and the university as a whole. Really, you know, when he ended up announcing that he was going to uh, set his date and commit uh, a couple of weeks ago, there were a lot of people that. Have Carolina as the heavy favorite, and that still stands to this day. Um, so that's an interesting factor, I think, in in Wilson's commitment. I feel like, you know, Auburn is, is probably still the favorite. We've seen a lot of Crystal Balls go for them. Uh, that's a really good spot. That was one of the teams that was, uh, you know, very competitive, actually had his commitment for a while. Uh, Trenton Simpson, the inside linebacker or uh, outside linebacker uh, in the 2020 class that Carolina was trying to flip at the time. Of course, he eventually. Eventually ended up flipping to Clemson but um, Auburn ha- has been a team that's been able to come in and wreak havoc on the defensive side of the football at times in the most recent recruiting classes because of how successful they've been at putting guys in the NFL playing in the SEC so I think that's going to be a big factor there I'm I- I'm not really sure about Florida State where they stand um, You know, whenever they show up in a recruitment at this point it's very hard to gauge how interested prospects are with them because I feel like, again, we're kind of in the same spot that we were even last year with Florida State, where there are questions about whether or not Mike Norvell will make it through this offseason or at least next offseason. I don't know if they're going to give up on him after one year, um, but there have been problems from the beginning with him on campus. Of course, we remember, you know, him saying that he had the meeting with the, uh, with everybody, uh, every player uh, during the pandemic to sort of check up on them, go over some protocols, stuff like that. Marvin Wilson, the big defensive tackle, came out basically said he lied about that they ended up having a meeting everything was calmed but since then everything has been up and down that program is just all over the place it's still a complete mess so I find that you know interesting that he has Florida State in there but I think Auburn and Carolina right now are the two teams that are going to be battling it out uh, for his commitment now I mentioned that Tavon Holloway is a guy that is you know potentially a big part of his recruitment Holloway released his top six a couple of weeks ago and also said the date for his commitment, which is going to be December 25th. So he'll let all of the stuff from uh, the early signing period sort of clear, let the dust settle. And then a week after the early signing period closes, he will make his commitment. It is Carolina, Penn State, Pittsburgh. Florida State, Virginia Tech and Maryland as his final six and another big guy from the state of Virginia as we told you this is a big state for Carolina in the 2022 class. Tychone Chapman the four star wide receiver he set his top five did not set a date but did say that he is planning to quote end his recruitment soon that's all we know we don't have a date or anything like that but a lot of people are of the belief that if Hollow was to commit to Carolina, that could be another stepping stone for Carolina towards being able to land them. It's the Tar Heels. Penn State, once again, is in there. Maryland also in there as well. Florida State, the same. And then Alabama. So this feels like... Sort of a you know two guys that could end up pairing well together, two guys that are very closely tied to Dre Bly and to the program as a whole, and could be good building blocks to the 2022 class. Um, You know you you look at both of these guys, Zach, in the 2022 class, both guys highly ranked prospects, both four stars, um, and, and and both guys that I think could be you know really good starts for Carolina in the in the 2022 class. Ultimately, do you think that one one, or, one of these two or maybe potentially even both will commit to Carolina here in the near future I absolutely do and I think if you watch where the crystal
1: balls and uh, future cast if you're you know more of a rival user they really the predictions that we've seen from uh, recruiting insiders on both of these guys have been very favorable to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holloway in particular has gone even on record as naming. North Carolina his favorite so I think that both of these guys uh, North Carolina is in a very good position for if you look sort of over their favorites lists um Chapman does have Alabama, so obviously that carries some prestige, but I have not heard a whole bunch um, regarding that pairing. So you look at North Carolina compared to really any school on both of those lists with the exception of an Alabama for obvious reasons. And, you know, North Carolina looks to be a pretty attractive option over a lot of those schools. You have a Maryland or a Penn State or Virginia Tech, all three schools that aren't exactly uh, having the best of seasons. Florida State comes up one one, if not both of those lists. We've already discussed them. Um, So, you know, sort of the the schools that are more local, your Virginias, your Penn State, your Maryland, uh, really are not having the best time right now uh, in terms of their seasons or in terms of their overall program health. Where you see North Carolina, like you mentioned, is really making a push within the state of Virginia and, you know, is having success and has had success over the past few years. primarily spearheaded by the addition of Dre Bly to the staff. I mean, you look just of names on the roster. You've got Cameron Kelly and, of course, you know former five-star Tony Grimes. And then in the 2021 class, like you mentioned, did uh, get Travion Stevenson and are still recruiting George Wilson. So, I mean, there's more and more connections with the state of Virginia uh, to the University of North Carolina, to specifically in that Tidewater area. And you know those two aren't the only ones that they're in the running for within the 2022 class. To name a few other names, uh, running back George Pettewell mm-hmm. uh, would be one to look at. A um, little bit more of a long shot, a five-star offensive tackle Zach Rice, um, and then safety uh, Sharad Koval out of the Chesapeake area is another name to keep in mind. So you know there's going to be quite a few Virginia names that North Carolina is going to be heavily at the mix for, and uh, it, it's really going to be. A important state, um, probably second, of course, to the in-state commits of North, or in-state targets of North Carolina, but it's going to be a big deal in the twenty twenty-two cycle.
0: Yeah, I, that's the other thing. Like you said, you know, they, it's it's spread out throughout the state of Virginia. Um, you know, throughout many different positions. Carolina is definitely a team that's gaining a resume there. Um, Part of that is you land Tony Grimes, the number one player in the state in 2021. And again, Virginia is a state where uh, you know they don't have the biggest population. It's not going to be quite the same as going into Florida, going into Georgia, even going into North Carolina uh, for out-of-state teams or for Carolina keeping guys um, in-state in terms of the just volume of guys that are there. But there's still a lot of talent in the state of Virginia. We seen that for a long time and Carolina's always had a pretty decent footprint in Virginia, but they've really just gotten the leftovers from the state. Now you're seeing them compete for these guys. You said, look, Zach Rice, a long shot. I don't think it's that big of a long shot. He's a guy that's, you know, this year alone, he's been to three Tar Heel games. And again, any other year you would say, okay, well, how big really is that? This year, that's huge. The fact that he's able to get on campus as often as he has been. Now, granted, one of the games is on the road against Virginia, but to Still, you know, be around. Uh, you know, he was around Tony Gron's dad, who has a really great relationship with him. I think that's really helping Carolina in this recruitment, in, in his recruitment, and really in, in everybody's recruitment because it seems like those Virginia guys all really have a really great relationship. Um, and, you know, I think th- there's a chance that if Carolina can come away with even three or four guys out of that state in this class, that would be huge. Now, again, the numbers are aren't big, but you look at the guys that we're talking about. Zach Rice, five-star. George Petaway, uh, four-star. Sean Chapman, four-star. Tavon Holloway, four-star. Sherrod Covell, four-star. All these guys are highly ranked players, so that's why it's important for Carolina to be able to land these guys and then fill in the rest of the spots with some of those guys from North Carolina that may not be as highly ranked but might fit what you're looking for. There's still some big guys, as you mentioned, in the state of North Carolina, um, especially you know on that defensive line where, again, Carolina will be looking to continue to add bodies down there and add talent, especially at defensive tackle. But they've got to be able to take care of business in the state of Virginia, continue to establish their footprint there, and both of those guys would be great starts and seem like they could be heading in that direction. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Of course, I want to thank Zach for hosting with me. Uh, tell you know, always tell you guys, head over to the website heeltoughblog.com. Coming down the home stretch of the season. Uh, of course, you know uh, tomorrow uh, we're recording this on Thursday night, but tomorrow we're putting this out on Friday, Um, so tomorrow night's game, or tomorrow afternoon's game excuse me, against Western Carolina there's plenty of stuff on the website for that we've got the preview up there uh, as well as the recap, trench report, and stock report, which will follow after the game is over so make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that, we've got a bunch of recruiting stuff up on the website as well, you can go back read the article about Bryson Nesbitt's commitment, we break down uh, his recruitment overall tell you what he'll bring to this class a little more in-depth than what you heard here tonight. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we turn our focus uh, towards Signing Day. We will have you covered on National Signing Day. or the first of the National Signing Days on December 16th. That's the main day when everybody is going to sign. Um, of course, as we mentioned, George Wilson is going to hold off till the final day of Signing Day, so we'll have you covered with all of that, but that main day we'll have you covered uh, with all of the faxes as they come in, as we always do here. There'll be some other really cool stuff, we're going to try to get uh, you know some, some guys to come on, do some interviews with us, stuff like that, so a lot of really exciting stuff coming up on the recruiting trail as well uh, so make sure that you are looking for that on the Heel Tough Blog website as for the podcast, again, make sure you guys uh, you know if you're watching the video uh, like and follow the Facebook page, that's uh, you know it allows you to get notifications for whenever we are premiering a video of course you guys can go back, watch the preview that me and Josh did for the Carolina game. Um, there's some other really great uh, additions to the podcast as well that you guys can go back and check out. Um, and then, of course, uh, if you are listening, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Rating and reviewing helps us move up some of those recruiting rankings, which is... Uh, recruiting rankings, excuse me. Uh, the podcast rankings. Uh, I've been talking about recruiting so much, but uh, yeah, it'll help move up the podcast rankings so that people that haven't quite found us just yet can find the podcast, listen to all of this great stuff and all the great stuff that we're going to have for you guys throughout the offseason, even after the season is over. And then the subscribe button, that's for you. Whenever you hit that, if you, you know, whatever podcast player you listen to us on, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of those, this will go right into your podcast library so that you guys can make sure that you don't miss an edition of the podcast. So once again, I want to thank Zach for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening, and as always... Go Tar Heels!